Like we're just here as different flavors of God, different flavors of the universe, experiencing and expanding. And the purpose of life is fulfillment. And when we experience or we expand, whether it's internally or externally, we're getting an opportunity to feel a present moment experience. And that high consistent quality of experience is fulfillment. And so for me right now, like I honestly, whether the universe guided my next aligned step to becoming a gardener or whether becoming president of the United States of America or whether it guided me to become a billionaire or it guided me to, uh, you know, becoming a famous thought leader in the personal development space. It ain't going to change anything. I don't, I'm not going to have more access to fulfillment in 20 years than I have in this moment with you on this podcast and these beautiful listeners. Welcome home to the Lindsay Martin Ellis experience. This is your virtual sanctuary where we keep it light while going deep and ground spirituality into the reality of what it means to be human. We explore consciousness, evolution, alternative health, all things truth, taboo, and beyond. There are no boxes or rules here. Tune in each week where myself and raw and real guests will be sharing our lived experience through a multifaceted lens to support you no matter where you're at on your journey. This is a sacred space where spiritual principles and universal wisdom are accessible, simple, and digestible because all are welcome here. It is your birthright to remember the magic and miracle that you are. You ready to be inspired? Let's do this, love. Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome back to the show. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> oh my goodness. I am, yeah, feeling good. I'm feeling really good. As I mentioned the last couple of weeks, I have been in a portal of hmm, emotions, moving through fear, anxiety, scarcity, all the things. Motherhood portal is real. My honey, my beloved Chad was out of town for a few weeks and there was something where I was feeling almost like because I'm carrying his child, our child. I know this sounds kind of, I don't know if this sounds weird or not, but it's almost like because I'm carrying his DNA in, within me, um, it was this aching, longing feeling of being away from him. <clears throat> it was very, very interesting. Now he's back and actually got a new car yesterday. I got a four-wheel drive vehicle for the mountain life, for the baby, for the safety of the baby. Um, both my honey and I are getting four-wheel drive vehicles before baby comes. We're in the process of moving again to a more permanent location. We still don't know where that is. So there's just so many unknowns, which that's life. And it's all kind of happening at once and in conjunction with, you know, all of the things that come along with being pregnant and bringing a child into this world and the state of the world and all of the things. Um, it's, it was a little bit rough, but I'm feeling a new layer has emerged from my beingness. And when I first recorded this episode with Ryan Magic, it was right when I first moved to North Carolina. It was a couple of months ago and it was just a beautiful connection. And I was kind of reflecting back on this because even it's funny as I was going back and listening to the recording, <laughs> 
I can feel my energy was a bit ungrounded and there was a part of me that judged myself and shamed myself for a minute of, wow, it's almost like, again, when you go back and look at the the times in your life and, and how you're showing up and, and honestly having this archive of audio, video, you know, social media posts, it's just, it's, it's interesting to go back and look at where we were at in our lives and what we were moving through. And, you know, I had this part of me wash over me that was in judgment. And then I was thinking to myself, that's me. Like that was my most authentic and, you know, version of me and in my highest integrity of where I was at. And now I'm feeling so much more grounded again. So I just laugh at the, the, yeah, I just laugh at the, that how evolution works. And we talk about this a lot, Ryan and I, and in the episode of the kind of going back and forth once we have the awareness and once, once we have a deeper understanding and, and how there is kind of that push pull and, and it's all welcome and it's all part of the journey. And so it was humbling for me to notice again, as I've shared so much with the podcast is I've actually recorded some episodes in some of the most challenging times of my life (laughs) and moments where I could barely function in the day. And I was procrastinating to record an episode, but I was so committed to the weekly episode launches that it took all of my might and all of my energy and all my capacity to just get the episode recorded and curated for all of you. And that feels important to share because people don't want perfect. People want real. And Ryan is the real deal. And what's funny is we talk about how we had initially connected and how he had reached out to me after we were both kind of doing this virtual speaking gig together and didn't know each other. And he felt something from seeing me on the speaker page and then went on my Instagram and then reached out. And then he asked me to be on the show, if he could be on the show. And then I said, yes. And it's fascinating because I talk about this in the episode that now I've actually recorded three episodes with males. Only two have been released. The other one I just recorded about a week or two ago. And what's fascinating is the, okay, there's so many places I want to go here, but it's funny because the resonance of Ryan is actually similar. Like, of course, different personality types, different, there's just, there's a lot of differences, but there's a softness and a gentleness um, and a groundedness to the two males, which is Pat was the first, who's my buddy, who's one of my, I would say he's probably, I would say he's my best guy friend. I mean, we talk all the time and we just have a very, very deep soul connection. He was on the show. Definitely check out the episode. I can't remember the episode number off the top of my head, but just shared a very powerful journey of mm, how he was living out of integrity with who he really is and how that, you know, transferred into addictions in his life and how he's leveraged artistry and creativity to and really authenticity and self-expression to heal these parts of themselves. It was a beautiful, beautiful episode. 
But then I had Ryan, who was essentially a complete stranger and it just was a very similar resonance. And it's funny because the the energy is very similar with my husband as well, where I notice that there's a certain frequency, especially when it comes to male counterparts, that, that allows me to feel safe and allows me to open up and allows me, um, it, it's like a jiving because I am really excited about life. <laughs> Um, I can be very enthusiastic and, and it's interesting because for example, with my partner, if, if I had a partner that was the same as me, it would be, it would probably be a hot mess. (laughs) And so the parts of me where I shine and the parts of me that are illuminated and the parts of me where it's easy for me to be who I am. My husband gets to kind of pull that from me a little bit and and I get to pull the pieces of him that are maybe a little bit more challenging or maybe some are shadowy for me or maybe there's some blind spots. And it's just interesting how there's certain men I'm noticing. I'm like, oh, wow, I feel the same when I'm around this male counterpart, for example, and Ryan and I actually talk about this in the, in the episode. I ask kind of how we as a collective, no matter what our gender, can kind of support men on their spiritual awakening journey and, and why I'm kind of drawn towards having more men on the show. And also a lot of the spiritual thought leaders that I follow, I'm actually following more men right now in a lot of ways. There's just a fascination that I have with the deepening of of the masculine and the feminine and how that shows up in the incarnated form of men and women. And it's just, it's very dynamic and it's just, I'm coming from this place of curiosity. So I definitely want to interview more men. It's funny also because I interviewed a gentleman, his episode will be coming out in the next several weeks and he's faith-based and he's got a faith, the Christian based company um, also suffered from addiction. He had a near death experience, found a spiritual path through the form of Christianity and that's what worked for him and that's what supported him. And we had a beautiful conversation and what's amazing is I don't actually we don't have the same beliefs and there's some things where I don't necessarily agree with him or it doesn't resonate, but I want people on the show. This is why I want men on the show. I want people who don't think the same way as me on the show. It would be easy to actually just only interview (laughs) women, for example, who are doing a very similar line of work, who have a very similar uh, mechanism, for example, in the way that we see the, like see the, through the, the lens that we see the world. And that feels like the easy button for me right now. I actually want, I want different people on the show um, because I think we all have value and the conversations that Ryan and I shared, it was very illuminating for me to hear from the male perspective. And it actually helped me understand, for example, my relationship with my husband more talking to a complete stranger, right? Because I was able to receive the messaging in a different way, in a different light, 
right through this subjective point of view. And I was able to hear something differently than versus the person that I live with, the person who's the father of my child, right? The person who I spent the last eight plus years with and know intimately. And so that is magical <laughs> as, as we're talking about Ryan magic. It's just magical to know that I could learn more about my partner, for example, my beloved Chad from a complete stranger on the internet through the deepening and opening of, of the conversation. And so we talk a lot about fulfillment versus success and and we talk a lot about how Ryan kind of integrates the different layers of life, material world, emotional, spiritual, and the, you know, the integration of all of that, um, how to overcome fear, right? Feel fear versus love. And like I mentioned, this conversation about, right, just projections that we have based like mass based on both masculine and feminine wounding and just you know, having the conversation, I think, is where I loved. I actually loved the the, the part I loved the most about the conversation was kind of at the end where I, where we were talking about, yeah, like just hearing, hearing through a, a man's eyes, hearing through a man's eyes, that's baby brain at its finest, <laughs> hearing through, seeing through. Ryan's eyes hearing through his words. There we go. There's, it's just supportive, right? And of course, this is through his own lens and his own lived experience. But I want to be able to ask more questions from this way, right? Like I want to understand spirituality from people from all walks of life. And for example, my husband doesn't necessarily even consider himself to be spiritual per se, but he is. He just doesn't feel the need to kind of put a name on it. And um, and he is deep in a lot of ways. And there is a lot of introspection and contemplation. And so I just feel like there's so many people who have so much to offer that maybe have a varying viewpoint than me and maybe don't even necessarily claim to be an authority in the in the space of evolution and spirituality, for example. And I want them on the show. And I want more men on the show. And I want more people who think differently than me and believe different things than me on the show. <clears throat> because it's going to expand all of us even more into more compassion and acceptance and understanding of varying degrees of, of opinions. <clears throat> now I feel like I'm coughing. I forgot to bring my water in my podcast recording studio, which is the closet of my temporary rental in Black Mountain, North Carolina. <laughs> and so I think I'm just going to leave it there. So check out the show notes. Reach out to Ryan via email, ryan at ryanmagic.com and or via Instagram. You can check out his website. You can check out his one-on-one -on -one coaching. He's also on Facebook and YouTube. He's all over social media and, you know, hosts workshops as well. And also um, does a lot of in-person speaking engagements. And like I said, his energy, there's just like a softness and a, a welcoming warmth that I found very magnetizing and captivating and I, I hope that it does the same for you and 
yeah, I think I'll just leave it there. So enjoy this conversation with Ryan. It was supposed to be an hour and we just kept going and going and going. We both kind of just decided that we were going to let the conversation go where it needed to go and and end it when it felt right. And um, I'm really glad that we did because... Like I said, the latter part of latter part of the conversation felt felt really um, pertinent during this time. So enjoy, love and blessings. Let me know how this lands for you, and enjoy the magic that is Ryan Magic. All right, love and blessings. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Lindsay Martin Ellis here, and I have the luxury of having Ryan Magic here today, the second male that I've ever interviewed on the podcast after its inception just over a year ago. Do you want to say hello to our beloved community? I would love to. Thank you so much for tuning in, beautiful souls, and thanks for having me on here, Lindsay. Yeah, so I'm just going to read your quick little bio for a moment because it kind of segues into a lot of the conversation that we're going to have. And then I'd love to hear more about who you be in the world. <laughs> it's so much, it's it's like we write the thing, right? We write the thing about ourselves and then someone reads it, but then it's, it's different when it actually emerges from you and the energy that you're in. So here yeah. we are. Ryan is an international speaker that specializes on the topics of courage, purpose, and fulfillment. After doing $10 million in business didn't make him happy, he went on a five-year journey pilgrimage. On that journey, he found the meaning of life and created his own modality called the core method. Did I say that right? The core method? Yeah, you did. You nailed it. (laughs) All right. Well, I had goosebumps just reading that little snippet. And you and I are newly acquainted, but we had an instant energetic connection. So yeah, just tell people a little bit more about who you are and where you reside in the world, and then we'll get into some fun conversation. Yeah, totally. So I love everything to do with this space because I very much needed to be in personal and spiritual development to learn to human. I grew up in a rough upbringing with like a drug dealer dad, drug abused mom, alcoholic parents. Both have been suicidal for most of most of their lives. So I yeah, grew up being very fragile and sensitive and took a while to find my way in the world and was taught from a young age that, and, and this is pretty very common in society as well, that my achievement is gonna equate to my value in the world and my love from my parents. And so when I left high school, I just, yeah, I went on a bit of a success rampage and which was very difficult because I was very insecure and very shy, very softly spoken and started uh, my own business when I was 18 and built that into a six figure business from cold calling. And then chopped and changed for the few different businesses until I launched what was like my passion fueled business, which was business coaching and helping coaches grow their business. It was like super cool that I could make an impact on people's lives. But the the insecure uh, aspect of myself was really running the show without me being aware of it. And then I grew and grew and grew. And within a few years, I had this multi-million dollar business in the coaching space. And I kind of reached a bit of a breaking point when I kind of ticked all the boxes and well beyond it of what I wanted to 
achieve in the world. And I felt like crap. I felt really lonely, felt super disconnected. I was very unfulfilled. I had lots of problems in my relationships, all relationships, family, romantic partnership, relationships with staff, clients. And I just kind of was a bit confused as to why my life wasn't as fulfilling as what I'd sold was sold that it would be if I was able to reach like financial independence in such a big way. So that led me on the path of the spiritual journey. And I did a lot of things to attempt to support myself to find unconditional love. Cause I realized, <clears throat> I actually realized at a point when the business was at the most successful, I realized that I was trying to prove myself to the world with my success, which was a complete blind spot up until that point. And so all of a sudden I had, I had this like ego complex where you know, I'm inspiring all these people and I'm helping all these people and I'm bettering people's lives, which wasn't untrue completely, but it was a, it was like a safety strategy, a superiority complex. And then when I realized that I was driven from that place, I was like, what the heck? I've got like all these people that I'm saying and believing that I'm supporting, but I'm not even loving myself unconditionally. I'm loving myself based on my achievement, which means indirectly, that's the message I'm putting out to all the people that follow me. And at that point, I had over 100,000 followers on Facebook and a lot of young entrepreneurs. And I was like, took a lot of pride and like, I, I did care that I wanted to make a difference to their lives. So I was like, wow, I really need to look at that and learn to love myself unconditionally. And it wasn't as quick as what I'll say it right now, but <clears throat> within a little period of time, I chose to shut that business down and see if I could find out who I am without the achievement and the identity and the big shot young entrepreneur and and learn to be okay just being me. And I got rid of my material possessions and did a bunch of uh, healing work and meditation was my main spiritual vehicle. But I also did plant medicine, a lot of emotional healing work. And yeah, it's been about six years since then. And I've attempted kind of like pendulum swung a little bit back into driving for success in a big way and then staying connected to the wholesome nature of life and being able to extract a lot of fulfillment from a really balanced, integrated way of being. And I, I feel like I'm in a pretty solid place of awareness now. It's still very clear, still have a lot of... Uh, trauma and insecurities and things that reside within me. And I always will, but I, I, I believe that I have a way of approaching life that feels really wholesome for me. And I love supporting other people with that same, uh, more integrated way. Oh, I love this. I have so many questions, but, but the first piece that I want to presence because where the podcast is truly headed for me is like the relatability of the human experience. And I love that you mentioned the pendulum swing and also mentioned like it's actualized to some degree. However, there's still so much opportunity for a deepening. So do you want to touch on that at all? Because I think it's important, especially in the coaching world, especially in the online world of reels where we see, right, this 10 second snippet of people's lives. And all of a sudden you go from here to here and people think that there's no struggle. There's no integration. Like you just do this thing. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, you're, you're there. And 
that's what we're modeled in society is, is this like quick fix, right? Like we want it and we want it now. And truly what I'm hearing from you is just the, the welcoming of the journey itself, right? Like you're like, all right, I'm not all like, sometimes I I notice myself pulling back. Sometimes I notice these old patterns coming through. I'm in the same place. I am pregnant. I finally announced it on the podcast. The whole world knows and I've been awesome. keeping that secret for four months and the surrender that's happened in this, right? It's like, I thought I knew what it was like to be grounded in my body. I thought I knew what it was like to, to be truly surrendered and so connected in my service work. And I noticed that there were elements where money was the driver, or I was noticing like scarcity coming in, or I was noticing I was pushing in my business because I had already created something, even though it wasn't there anymore for me and something else was wanting to emerge, but just not wanting to, you know, telling myself that I didn't want to redo this thing. And I put all this work into this. So I just kind of make it fit, you know, make it fit. And I feel like that's always going to be the journey, right? The point is to keep being pulled back so that we can continue to transform and we can continue to evolve And I feel like what I'm hearing from you is even though we still get pulled sometimes, it's that awareness of like, ah, there it is again. Like, where can I soften? Where can I create a deeper awareness within myself? Where can I expand even more into possibility? So yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah. Firstly, I just love your vibe. I love the passion (laughs) behind how you share everything. It's, it's, It's really beautiful. I receive. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And also, like, I feel like even though I can't get pregnant, <laughs> I feel like becoming pregnant is just the most crazy form of the human experience. Like, it's just wild. Like, it's just, what a miracle that you can literally birth a human being into this world with their own soul and consciousness. It's so cool. So congrats on, on having you. the courage to lean into that. That's That's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I just want to preface by saying that I'm pretty solid. This is my area of expertise being a speaker and I've got like, I'm a nerd on this stuff. I've been studying it for 15 years. So the impression that people might get by listening to me without big, big noting myself too much is that I have a lot of my stuff together, but I, I really, uh, like to stand for the the reality of humanity and our humanity as humans uh, and want you guys to know that we probably won't go down this thread. We might now that I'm opening it, but my biggest karmic uh, challenge in life is relationships. And I try so hard. I try so hard in relationships. I've done so much healing for like such a long period of time and I'm still really dysfunctional in my relationship. Uh And I just wanted to preface that just so if you guys are listening and you get the impression that I've got it all together, I just to let you know, I'm I'm very much in this human experience. I, I very much see life through two phases, uh, the soul journey through two phases. I see one as like the process of forgetting and then we have a spiritual awakening and we, we then step into the process of remembering and sounds really simple like forgetting and remembering it's very not it's not nowhere near as linear as that but just to delineate between the two journeys i see that people can be in a state of ignorance on that journey of forgetting 
and there's more material prioritization in life and there's a real drive from an unhealthy place where patterning's running the show and what happens when we're on this journey of forgetting is we reach this point this i call it the intolerable pain of separation and when we hit this point where things have either been so good but they're not good or there's been so much pain in someone's life that it leads them into that chasm of what the heck is going on here what is life about and that that pain of separation creates the shifting of gears into a, another journey of remembering and coming back into the oneness of the source of where we were created from in the first place where you know of a uh, singularity or isness or creative potential or the subatomic world or whatever we want to call it and so like i really see the journey in those two phases one's dominated by ignorance the forgetting and then the remembering phase is dominated by awareness but they both have forgetting and remembering imbued within them it's just that the the overarching theme shifts gears and so like everyone that's listening to this is probably either about to get to the second phase or in the second phase it's very much not a race there's no better or worse there's no good or bad i this is just my beliefs as well this is kind of how i create some stability to understand right. what's going on in the some way that I see it. structure to yeah, make exactly. some sense of it. <laughs> exactly. So I feel a bit safer and like, what the heck's going on here? But it very much feels like, for me, uh, the challenges are presented for me in order to, on this journey of coming back to awareness, for me to alchemize different emotions alchemize different judgments that I have, different attachments that I have, uh, so that I can learn to love and see love in the all these different aspects and flavors of my life where I'm currently blind to it or I've forgotten that unity. That's what I see as the journey of life. And therefore, in this second phase, like I've I'm less, way less attached to what I my ego used to derive self-worth from than what I am now. Like I've got an idea of my path and journey. Like I, I love speaking. And so I want to continue to evolve my service through speaking. I get a lot of fulfillment in this. And yet I don't know what the universe is going to hit me with. What sort of loving sledgehammers are going to come out of nowhere and just knock me to the ground in order to say, Hey, you can find love here. And it's kind of sounds negative. That. Loving but, sledgehammers. <laughs> I'm stealing that. I'll give you credit. Don't worry. <laughs> I've never, I've never said that before, so I just made it up. But uh, you can take it. But let's think about Ram Das, right? He's a spiritual guru. It's all love and light. He's like running these massive community events. He's a global sensation, and then he gets hit with like a terminal illness, which puts him in wheelchair bound and deteriorating and his life's on the line. And that's where he found the deepest aspects of his fulfillment. And I'm not saying to everyone listening, hey, you're going to have to have something like that happen because you already have that awareness. But for the challenge is inevitable and it's a gift. That's the summary. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like what we do with the challenge. And I can't remember the name of his documentary, but I highly recommend it. it's pretty short. If any, it's on Netflix, I think his documentary and it's the like him in Hawaii. Was it a stroke? I can't remember what he had. I don't, I, I don't think I've ever known 
I can't remember, <laughs> but yeah. And I haven't been bothered to look it up. So. He's in a wheelchair, but I, I, you know, sometimes I'm drawn to these certain, like sometimes it's a documentary and sometimes it's something like I was, I was guided to watch Eat, Pray, Love again <laughs> for the first time in a long time. And it was like this one sentence that I needed and it like brought me to tears and brought me back in a center and it reminded me and created stability within. But I love the documentary because it's, it's truly him so surrendered and so at peace with himself and they figured out some contraption to allow him to go float in the water and he's just like surrounded by support and yeah it was such a beautiful reminder of what we do with challenge and whenever I'm struggling for example with my body or my health right it's like we can always think about whatever it is there is somebody on this planet who is struggling more than you. And, and I, I, I do believe it's what we do with that information and, and so much of what you shared with your journey. And this is why I love interviewing people, totally different parts of the world, totally different geographic locations, totally different parents and life experiences, right? Yet so much of your childhood, so much of what you shared about insecurity and confidence and success and all of those things. I was an engineer. I don't know how much you know about my life, but I just read your blurb on your <laughs> website. So yeah. That. So, you know, and same thing, like, and we're going to get into success versus fulfillment. And so much of my journey was that same thing of external validation. If I do this, then I am loved. If I do this, then I am accepted. If I fit into the mold of what society has modeled to me, to be what it means to be a good human, what it means to be successful, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be fit in a box. And so much of my awakening journey is really dismantling that because I can tell that my soul, it, right? It was like, okay, I'm going to learn exactly how <laughs> I'm exactly how my soul did not want to come here to incarnate. So I have all of that lived experience to now know what it feels like in my body when I'm myself, when I'm in integrity, when I'm in authenticity, even when it's illogical, even when people don't understand it, even when it's against the grain, it's how I feel inside. Like the feeling is so different. And what I'm noticing is even if people are triggered around me or if people project or if people don't understand because I'm so grounded in myself, I'm noticing people shift around me. I'm noticing people begin to heal. I'm noticing people begin to soften and open up and want to have conversation and get curious. And I think the reason why our energy is so in flow is because there comes a stage on our, on our awakening journey when it's like, I know things and we like want to tell people and right. We want to like fix people or we want people to understand, right? It's like so exciting to be like, oh my gosh, I know all of these things come with me. And we see it with science and religion. We see it with the spiritual world and all the dogma and how it pushes people away. And I feel like when I speak with you, there's a peace, there's like a welcoming, like, oh, he's pretty normal. Like he just, he's got it. He's got a lot figured out, but like, he's still really relatable and he's not forcing something down my throat and telling me this is the only path and this is the only way. And mm. 
I think this is what the world needs. So can you speak to that in terms of how you're able to connect with people from that resonance versus the like, I want everybody to come with me, which I feel like is part of the journey at first. Like we all go, we've all been there. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. I feel like this is bringing up that intention that we had around how the space is currently set up. And I really feel like there's two different, very, very different ways to approach being a coach in the spiritual industry. And I was telling you before we jumped on this, that my old business that I was built a lot of success in was helping coaches. So I used to teach them a way to get clients and build their businesses that was very much based on pain and pain and solution. So I would teach them to market from a place of fear because that's what's most effective. So that's like one way of doing things. And copywriting is very much and headline creation and Facebook ads. The way that people get rewarded is by having the most effective uh, interest. (laughs) Yeah. So where people are scrolling through their newsfeed and the highest percentage of people click that, and then therefore their ads are the cheapest. So they get the most leads, they get the cheapest leads, they have the most financial success through the campaign, so they can put even more money in and build it even more. But the thing that happens with that is that it's marketed from fear. So fear-driven marketing is most successful. And it's it's a bit, it was a bit weird for me because I've spent over a million dollars in ads just in my own business, for example. And with all my results and strategy and approach being fear-based, in order to flip that around and realize that I'm kind of, uh, in a way, uh, and and like preying on people's insecurities, that that just didn't resonate anymore. But I hadn't yet reached. So it was like this junction point. And I feel like a lot of coaches will hit this point. It's going to be a little bit of a messy share, but I I feel like I'm just trusting that it's going to be some value in here for people, or at least for you or I, that I reach this point, I'm not spiritually awake or embodied or anything like this. I've just kind of realized, holy crap, I've been doing things from fear. And then I feel a desire to shift gears, but I can't yet reap the benefits of the new path because I'm the least embodied person on the planet in that way of approaching things. But I don't want to do things the way that I was doing it. So what on earth do you do in that point? It's almost like changing careers from being an accountant to being like a veterinarian. You got to do six years of study studies before you actually get a job in that new space and can start to allow that to work. And for me, it was about six years. It's been about six years of kind of like shifting gears that this new journey that's more aligned for me, which is supporting people from a place of love and, and fullness, not lack and fear can kick into gear because me allowing people to feel amazing in who they are means that like if I, cause I could, I'm very good at sales. Like there's times where I've single-handedly done $250,000 worth of sales in a week myself. Um, and my sales team that I built up have done a million dollars in a month in sales. So I built up like a Wolf of Wall Street style sales thing. And the way that people buy, or the way that most effective sales is done, like most effective marketing is done, is like, again, pain solution, which is fear-based. So if I was on the phone and let's say I have a workshop coming up right now, which is $1,500, it's Melbourne-based, so I doubt anyone from here would be qualified to come. But uh, 
workshop coming up, it's $1,500, which is so cheap. And I used to charge $20,000. And at the end of this, like my goal of people coming to this workshop is they have the tools that they can support themselves with moving forward. But it's like, there's a part of me, it's like, well, I want to keep working with people. I want to keep supporting them. But it, I, I, what I would do in the past is I would talk about like play at this big level and are you going to get there yourself? I would just use fear tactics without knowing that at the time, but just in my head thinking you're going to be better if you get bigger. To get bigger, you'll need my support. And are you ready to play full out and play at this standard? If so, come along to this next thing. And I could easily close. Like I actually did it last year. I I ran a workshop. I had like 15 people that was, I can't remember, like 10 to 15 people there. And I had a 100% close rate to a $12,000 course. So I made like over $100,000 in a week, right? And then this time I'm in there, but I, I've got enough money to be okay. I don't need to close people off the back end, but I want to. But the way that I'll sell now will provide a return for me. Like I will have some people say yes, but I can't authentically say, you know, come to this because your life's going to be better because I don't believe that I know what's best for their life. They know what's best for their life, which is a comp- like, that's just not the same as what I would do in the past. Cause to get the highest conversion rate, I have to create a frame where they perceive that they need to do this next thing and that their life's going to be better when they do it. Whereas I don't believe that anyone's life will be better from working with me. I don't think anything they could do is make their life better. I think their life's perfect now. So you see how that puts a massive spanner in the works for business versus coaching. Mm-hmm. So like now, I I actually also still like making money and I like saving and I'm into investing and this stuff, but I can't authentically. And like fulfillment to me doesn't, money does not make much of a difference in my fulfillment at all now. Like I've got a great investment portfolio. But I literally, I I want to keep making money because I think it's fun, but I don't, my life's not going to get changed at all. I'm not going to start buying all this extra stuff or going on these luxe holidays because I don't care about the luxe side of it. It doesn't actually change my quality of life in any way. So I don't need to make those sales. So I'm just throwing a bunch of stuff out there right now that's there's a huge difference between the two ways that you can approach this journey. And I think a lot of coaches have a huge gap because they expect results from fear-based, but they're attempting to be love-based and they're two completely different paths. They're like, if you want to be a really solid embodied example for people, I feel like you need to, I feel like the way to be the most embodied is to really set yourself on the journey long-term of surrender and practicing your coaching and learning different modalities and going through stuff in your own life and giving yourself like a five-year period to build up a really solid, neat return. Maybe you make a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year after five years of being a coach and practicing like crazy and going on your own stuff. But not many coaches are willing to do that because the whole space, again, the ads that float to the top that get shown the most that are the most effective are all the ads saying, become a six-figure coach without having a sell. Um, how do you get quick leads with no money down? And it's all these ways that are like trying to minimize people's, like take away people's objections and 
then you get a bunch of people in here that have these unrealistic expectations. I can get to six figures without any money down and without having to sell and without any experience. So then they're in their head subconsciously thinking, well, I should be able to do it then. I should be able to get results quick. And it's been six months of them being in their coaching business. They don't have the return yet. Uh, and they're feeling like, what's wrong with me? Everyone's saying it. I'm saying it. Russell Brunson's saying it. Tony Robbins saying it. Dean Graziosi's saying it. Uh, Alex Hormozzi's saying it. All these like Gary V saying, everyone's saying it. So what's wrong with me? Instead of going, well, if I was to do an accounting degree and want to become an accountant, I wouldn't expect myself to even have a job for six years. And then when I get a job, I wouldn't expect myself to be making six figures for at least 10 total. And if someone can take that approach to their coaching journey in this space, then they will be an incredible, really embodied, really practiced, amazing coach that would organically and easily have a full practice uh, and love what they do and be coming from genuine service and have enough abundance to support whatever their heart really desires for them in their lives. But not many people take that path because of that. <laughs> it's very different. There's two completely different approaches. Yeah. And I would say this can apply to anyone that's feeling unfulfilled in their line of work right now. And right, it, it may be that coaching is your thing, but it may be a totally different path, or it may be just your approach to how you're looking at your line of work, right? And so I think a lot of us, a lot of the world, especially when the pandemic happened, realized how unfulfilled they were in their relationships, right? Or in their job, right? It was just this like opportunity for the world to pause, to look at what am I doing? And why am I doing this thing? And who told me that this is the path? And who told me it needs to look this way? Yeah. And what's so fascinating is, so I was an engineer. I literally remember telling my parents, I don't think I'm supposed to be an engineer. Like I'm in school. I'm like, I don't know if this is for me. I'm like, I go, I, <laughs> I take my first test. I'm like, I still don't think this is for me. I get my first job. I still don't like the whole time. I'm like, and then everything was like, well, why don't you wait till, you know, you take your, your engineering and training test. Why don't you wait till you get your first job? Why don't you wait till you take your professional license? And it took a health crisis because I wasn't listening. I literally was like, oh, let me try now. Let me try now. And I was successful. Right. And I had amazing accolades. And I was in this male dominated industry, like just growing up the corporate ladder. And mm -hmm. inside, I was literally dying to the point where my health started failing. Mm -hmm. And what happened was, is health journey became my own advocate, got off all my Medicaid, literally changed my life. Like products I was using in my home, literally, what am I consuming? What am I consuming in my, in my environment? What am I putting in my body? What am I putting on my body? And then I discovered a direct sales business and network marketing business because I was using the products. Mm. So when I was an engineer and I want to share this like anecdote because I felt like I went to school for this shit. I don't know what the fuck else to do. Like I, I, I was so miserable, but I'm like, I don't even know what I would do. Like I don't <laughs> even know where to start. And then this company, and I realized it was my stepping stone. This company presented itself to me. Like I started to be like, oh, there's a business opportunity. Oh, like I'm actually using this. It's women owned. 
It's sustainable. It's a benefit corporation. They're doing big work in the world. Like they're changing laws. They're going to Congress. Like I felt so excited because this thing that was already built had an opportunity for me. So I took it and it took a couple of years. I spoke with my husband. We created a plan. It was like, okay, I'm doing this. And I left corporate and I thought that was my thing. (laughs) I was like, this is the thing I'm doing. I made it to the top 1% of the company. I was like just under the top rank of the company. And I stayed there for a a couple of years. Like I plateaued no matter what I did. And then I was starting to feel burned out. And I realized that wasn't, that wasn't the final thing. That was the interim (laughs) thing that you're talking about that presented itself to me to be able to see that there was another pathway for me, another potentiality And guess what? That same feeling I had in corporate of feeling the life sucked out of me happened Mm -hmm. in my direct selling business a couple years later. And that was actually when I would say I had my biggest spiritual awakening and it was dark and it was deep and my coaching business emerged from that place. And there was a lot of fear of being a leader. There was a lot of fear of sharing my spirituality. There was a lot of fear fear of letting people know the wisdom that I had inside of me. And so I think the reason why I'm sharing this is sometimes we have to seek it. Sometimes it's presented to us, but you're right. It's not just like, oh, this thing isn't working. I should say most of the time, it's not like this thing isn't working. Here's the clear path and here's how it's going to work right away. I needed all of that to happen to realize, yeah, that was your stepping stone, but that's, you're not done. Like, this is not why you incarnated on this planet to work for this company. For some people it is, but for me, it was to keep going. And I think I also want to share that I have never considered myself a business coach. And with my last round of my group program, I was calling myself an embodiment coach for a while. And then I changed that too. I'm like, I don't want any labels anymore. Like I don't want any labels because I'm changing so fast. But what happened is these women started to want to start their own coaching businesses. And Mm -hmm. so they started coming to me and I didn't offer anything like that before. And I started being like, wait a second, this feels aligned. Like I'm not business coaching them. I actually am foundationally helping them curate a path where they can create something that is birthed from deep inside of them and be able to be fulfilled from that and be able to earn an income from that and be able to shift their life. And it has actually been one of the most fulfilling parts of my business, which I never in a million years thought I would be doing because it came from this place of people coming to me, asking the question, me being like, wait, I actually think I do like this, right? I would never have done that before. I would have never pursued it. And so I think it's important for people to get context around how it looks. Like sometimes it's going to take you taking action and you like studying something or going deep and being like, I don't know, and like exploring possibilities. Other times a possibility might present itself. Other times people may come into your field and say, hey, do you offer this? Or hey, do you want to come do this thing? And it's like following what lights you up in the dynamic of intention, 
presence, taking aligned action, right? It's that both and where I think a lot of times, and I promise I'll stop after this. I get excited. Like a lot of times I think when we're so used to just taking that action, that's not aligned what happens is we go back like there's a lot of stillness that happens. And then it's like, we hear in the world manifestation and, oh, you just got to sit there and you got to meditate. And all of a sudden everything comes to you, but that's part of the journey so that you can ascertain the difference, but it really takes both. It's like, okay, alignment. Okay. I'm going to follow that thing. Hmm, Okay. I'm going to sit still for a moment and listen and wait for an answer And then I'm going to go this way and I'm going to try it and I'm going to experiment and I'm going to see how it feels inside. And I think so much of what we're modeled, especially in the coaching world and in society is like, you have to use the mind and you have to have it all figured out and you have to have it all perfectly wrapped up with a bow and you have to take action. And if you mess up, you're a failure (laughs) and I'm just all about the experimentation. So in that long ramble, is there anything you would like to add about that? Yeah, definitely. I, I feel that if someone that's listening, that massive share that I gave in, before when I was talking about the coaching space, I think it's important to understand whether you're a coach in the space or you're a like a student in the space because it really delineates the two types of coaches that you could come across. And what you just mentioned there where people champion this idea of you've got to have it figured out and it's very control-based. And I really see the world through two lenses. I see you can either be in the consciousness of your head, which is survival-based, fear-driven, and it derives safety through control. Or you can be in your heart space, which is fulfillment-driven, and it's it's very patient and very full in essence. Like it's but they but the the head feels safe in the familiar, and that's why it wants to control, whereas the heart actually derives the fulfillment and the growth and the love that it desires in the unfamiliar. And so these two, like, I'm in two minds. Like, part of me wants to start this business, but part of me wants the security. Head wants the security, heart wants the growth. And when people that are coaches have kind of taken a leap into this space because their hearts pulled them into this space, but they're still operating from the consciousness of their head, which is control-based in essence, that's the energy that you're going to get from those coaches and leaders. And most of them will end up in some form teaching people some kind of externally validating outcome. So you, you can get coaches that crush it in helping people get abs, lose weight. You'll get coaches that crush it helping people make money. You'll get coaches that crush it, helping people have their freedom lifestyle. Um, and they are, they will be very much dominant in their head consciousness, in their control. And so what you're going to expect from the people that if you see people crushing it and having quick wins that don't have much coaching experience and you're learning from these people, just to take a pause and, and, and take a moment to go, what consciousness are they driving from here? Are they driving from a place of fullness? and love or are they driving from a place of control and fear and that's where what you mentioned there of like you know people say it has to be this way and you need to meditate and get clear and manifest you know they are projecting their fear of people not being okay where they are 
far out. I manifested. I created this like 100K months. I created this dream lifestyle. I manifested my king or queen in my life. And I'm going to help you do the same. And you've got to do this. And it has to be like this. And you're not manifesting properly. That's all from a control consciousness. That's all from fear. But it's so alluring to the aspects of us that are also dominant in fear when we hear those people speak. And the the main way to delineate, to, to be able to understand the consciousness through which the person who you're learning from is in is how you feel around them. If you notice yourself feel more full and whole in someone's presence, it's probably because they feel full and whole in themselves. If you notice yourself feeling like a bit of a jittery need to be different around someone, even if it's accelerating or exciting, but still it's a presupposition energetically that you need to change, be different, grow faster, or there's that exciting, that that anxiety, that subtle film of anxiety is the symptom or the way that you can check in and go, okay, this person's driving from fear. It's tickling the part of my consciousness that is also fear-driven, which everyone has. We both have. Every, every human being on the planet has the human and has the being. And this is the human part, the head, human, survival, fear, control, heart, being, presence, fulfillment, freedom, liberation, growth, and love. Very different, separate things. And so, the the word or the 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 truth of that I just really feel the have been wanting to say this since the start of the interview. But what's the purpose of life? What on earth is the purpose of life? I believe that something that I feel super resonant and feels really true for me is that the purpose of life is fulfillment. The purpose of life is to experience a high consistent quality of life a high experience consistently of life. And for me, that's not bliss, like elation craziness. As Joe Dispenza says, the states of like ecstasy is a hypey state that only takes us further from true fulfillment. Fulfillment is the purpose of life. That is the purpose of life. So when we're attempting to find what's next and right, and I wasn't put here for this, I need to get to this. It can be very easy to lose uh, awareness of why. Why am I even doing this? It, like, I, I I wasn't put here to be in a corporate career. I was put here for more. But we're a spiritual being having a human experience, and we come to this planet. We come from a place of complete oneness and fullness, where we're everything and nothing at the same time. And like, why do we come here? We come here for two reasons expansion and experience expansion and experience that's what i perceive and whether we're in a corporate career a janitor in india it, it, it doesn't shift one's capacity in their body to experience fulfillment oprah can't feel more fulfillment than someone in a doesn't have more capacity for fulfillment than someone else that's like uh, fresh out of uni but that's kind of how everyone perceives it. It's like, whoa, the external value that I see and that all these accolades and things makes that person that's so much better. Look at Oprah. She's charity. She's giving. She's on purpose. She's a woman's rights advocate. She She's connected with all these celebrities. She's still a human being with a body that has lungs, a heart, a brain, 
eyes, a mouth. Her body functions the exact same way. So inside her human experience, she ain't getting some extra like hormones that you don't have access to. It's not like she has like, God's like, oh, she's actually really significant and successful in the world. So we're going to give her this like plasma that just flies through her body where she's just an ecstasy 24-7. No, she's a fucking human being, just like I am, just like you are, just like you are listeners. We're all the same. We're all the same. We experience fear the same way. We have an amygdala that triggers fight or, f- fight or flight response. Adrenaline and cortisol gets flooded through our body and we feel like we're going to die. Oprah has that. You have that. I have that. If she has a bad day, or she's having the human experience exactly the same. So the context of where we are in life doesn't mean shit. Like we're just here as different flavors of God, different flavors of the universe, experiencing and expanding. And the purpose of life is fulfillment. And when we experience or we expand, whether it's internally or externally, we're getting an opportunity to feel a present moment experience. And that high consistent quality of experience is fulfillment. And so for me right now, like I honestly, whether the universe guided my next aligned step to becoming a gardener or whether becoming president of the United States of America or whether it guided me to become a billionaire, or it guided me to, uh, you know, becoming a famous thought leader in the personal development space. It ain't going to change anything. I don't. I'm not going to have more access to fulfillment in 20 years than I have in this moment with you on this podcast and these beautiful listeners. It's not. My body's going to be the same. <laughs> like my body, it functions the same way. My and the purpose of life is fulfillment. So what you touched on, I think, is so on point, which is it's it's about alignment. But we contextualize it with all this content and information and get in our head about it and go, well, yoga teacher, janitor, corporate career, business owner, this type of business, it doesn't fucking matter. What matters is that you're in your own alignment. That's all that matters. And that could see you making less money as the next alignment, more money in a job, not working, working less, working more, more leadership, less leadership. It's just about what's aligned for you next. Mm -hmm. And when you can feel a sense of fullness unconditionally with where you exist in the moment, that's spiritual uh, mastery or enlightenment or whatever we want to call it. That's the gift that you get to keep. Not so you can be better and say, I'm spiritually enlightened, but other people aren't. Just that just, it's going to feel so much more peaceful Mm. in your body. So fulfillment's the purpose of life. What you're doing, why you're doing it, it's not that relevant. You know, yeah. it's it, it's relevant for you. It's still important, but it's it. There is no right or wrong. Like if you see people marketing stuff and like, yeah, that's good, but where I am is bad. That's the problem, not what they're marketing. You know, I'm just going to leave it there for a moment. Does that resonate with you, or does that make sense? Yeah. I know we're coming close to the top of the hour, but do you still have a little bit more time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. If we're um, you know, it's interesting because I've been a student of the Gene Keys for a bit. And it's funny because I've actually been in a place of, are you familiar with the Gene Keys at all? I'm, I know what it is, but I don't know yeah. much about it. Um. I've been in this place of like really detaching from consumption. And I mean, I'm not following any, like, it's like, I went in this place of don't consume anything 
<laughs> except the gene keys is one of, there's a few things, like there's a few people and there's a few yeah. things. I have like, I can count on one hand, the number of people that it's like, okay, I'm going to see, I'm going to go and check in and see what they're doing. But you know, there's a piece in the gene. Can, key can you, can you, do you feel comfortable sharing those people? <laughs> I'd, I'd love to know who you are yeah. inspired by. And I'd love to share too. Sure. No pressure. I love when people ask me questions, by the way, if you ever are on my podcast, it's very <laughs> rare where people feel the boldness to ask me the questions. Yeah. So I would say Richard Rudd, who is the founder of the Gene Keys, is one of them. Um, there's a, he's like wizard energy meets just the most grounded human. Like he's like my spiritual dad. <laughs> I describe him, but so humble, but just such a wealth of knowledge. I mean, what has poured through him is beyond believable. And everything that he writes feel like there's a richness to what he writes that speaks to me on a soul level, which is why mm. I still feel so, I feel very, like, I just love reading about the, I just love learning about it and reading it. it, it it's, there's a difference where before when I was consuming, it was like, oh, to learn something, right? It's like, again, how we're modeled. So now I read from the heart, which is like, oh, I'm learn I'm reading to remember and to confirm what I already know. And before yeah. I was reading from the mind, which was like, oh, someone else is, has a concept that I am now and a doctrine that I am now taking as my own. And so I really struggled for a while of like, I don't want any of that shit because I actually don't want somebody else's concept. I want my experience and the wisdom of my life to, and that deepness to be presented to the world. And then of course I have like, there's books and there's things. And then I geek out and I research and I still have my engineering mind. So I always say like, my, my mind is in service to my heart. Like first it's my heart, but then I love reading things and I love following people on, and then I'll listen to podcasts. And then I just go and I'm like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. They're just saying it in a different way. And I kind of pull these little nuggets. So Richard, one is one. Mateus De Stefano is another. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I'm not. He is from Argentina. He remembers all of his past lives. Just again, lighthearted, wealth of knowledge, everything that comes out of his mouth, it feels like truth, but just so light and playful. And like, everything is about like, he brings the the fun and the lightness back into spirituality, but is able to explain concepts that where I, I feel like he connects the dots for me a lot. Beautiful. Um, so blue, she does, she goes by blue. I don't know if you're familiar with her. I am familiar with blue. Um, I actually did her program. I got to do a retreat with her in a program and actually Mateus. So the reason why I signed up is Mateus, Richard Rudd and Zach Bush were all a part of the program. And I got to go out to Topanga, California and spend some time with them. So it's interesting that like these people that I follow are now all starting to really collaborate in a lot of ways where for years yeah. they were like all in their own little bubbles um, so Zach Bush is another one. I love that he's an MD. Um, if you're not familiar with him, highly recommend, but I love that he, he's very spiritual and, and connects. He has a beautiful way of bringing both worlds together. And there's the resonance that they all share is like choice and 
um, compassion and not being in this, like, there's no high, like there's no hierarchy energy. Like I'm just noticing who I'm connected to. It's like, we're standing shoulder to shoulder and there's accessibility and there's a wealth of knowledge with all of them that is so running rampant through their vessels, but they're human and, and, and they connect with people in, in beautiful ways because of that. And I feel like that's what my soul deeply resonates with. So I think that's like four, those, I would say those are my top four right now. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. It kind of shows, it just like gives such an insight, I feel like, because it flavors our human experience who we're listening to yeah, in, into, into where someone's vibing at the moment. So yeah. Thanks. And what I was going to say about the gene keys that supported me is there's a piece where not everyone is actually meant to have copious amounts of money. Not everybody is actually meant to have material things, right? We're all a fractal of the divine, right? So some of us, it's Mm. about the simplicity. For some of us, we feel prosperity through relationship. For some of us, we, we, are meant to give charitable contributions for some of us, which actually (laughs) makes so much sense. So my prosperity line is, is, is about celebration. So for me, it's not that I'm here to be pretentious, but I'm actually here to experience life with people and to travel and to enjoy from my service work, from fulfillment, from Mm -hmm. being who I am in the world my husband is actually through relationship. He's very simple. He doesn't need a lot of things. Like when actually people meet him and actually see him, which there's not a lot of people that actually see him for who he is. I'm I'm one of the very few. That is true prosperity for him. Like he radiates that out into the world. Does he make money? Yes. Is he successful? He's an entrepreneur. He has his own business. But the things that, that matter to him are very different than me. Where I'm like, I just want to travel and I want to do this and I want to experience life and I want to bring everyone with me. And so I love that you touched on that because when we are indoctrinated into a world that tells us this is the only way to feel fulfilled is to have this white picket fence and to have this house and to have this marriage and this partner and these kids and this amount of money in your bank account, when things aren't working, we end up... (laughs) feeling like failures and we end up wanting to find our purpose again, right? It's like, oh, I got to find this thing. This isn't it. So I got to go over here and then I got to go over here. And what I love that Richard Rudd with the Gene Keys talks about is like your purpose is a way of being. Your life's work is the byproduct of that. Once you actually know who you are, like like you said, it doesn't matter. It could be a janitor. It could be a teacher. It could be an astronaut. It could be a coach. It could be a spiritual teacher. It doesn't matter, but it's that, right? It's like the purpose is discovered through, which which you talked about the experience. Mm. Like you discover your purpose through living your life, which when we're always in the mind, we don't do that. (laughs) We think about it and we plan for it and we read about it and we learn about it. And I'm changing the name of my podcast I guess I'll just share it now, but I'm calling it the Lindsay Martin Ellis experience. Like, because everything to me is about the experience. Like for you, you say 
life is about fulfillment. For me, I feel like life is about the experience, but it's we're saying the same thing just in different ways. Well, the way I define fulfillment is the highest consistent quality experience. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we're on the same page. Yeah. And and so I have an f- interesting thing with the words where like, there's a zillion ways to define things, but right, feel the resonance of that. Like we're saying the same thing, right? You had all of this money, right? And you're still successful and you're making great money and you're great, but it's the come from like, mm. which is why we see celebrities committing suicide, which is why we see so many celebrities, for example, it's just easier because they're in the limelight that are not fulfilled. They think, they think when I have this fame, when I have this money, when I have this house, when I have this notoriety, I'm going to feel different inside. And I love that I feel like so many more people in the spotlight are actually starting to be honest and open about the struggles, which I think this might be my last question for you, but like I've been, oh, Aubrey Marcus is another one, (laughs) which if you know Blue, you probably know Aubrey. And if you're noticing, most of them are men. So I'm very now fascinated by men who are on the spiritual path, who are also like athletes or doing CrossFit or, you know, like enjoying what it means to be a man or like whatever it is. And I, I've been following Aaron Rodgers for a bit. And um, I remember. is Is he a baseball player? Oh, yeah. I forgot. Australians don't know. He was the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, he was an NFL quarterback and now he's playing for the Jets. But um, he has I've been very fascinated by him because he's been very open about plant medicine and um, he did a darkness retreat like he's been very open about his healing path and he's gotten made fun of. And of course, the media has destroyed him, but he's a truth teller in a lot of ways in terms of what he does to support him on his healing journey. I feel like that'd be a really powerful place to be if you're in the spotlight, when you get to the point of knowing yourself and you're used to the backlash, like how that would train someone to be able to stay in a feeling of contentment with their real authenticity. I feel like it would train it a lot more than just the average person that's not being exposed to the scrutiny as much. That's cool. Yes. And I feel like his soul chose that. Like he was very open about, you know, vaccinations and things. And like, for example, different, different media outlets, like (laughs) the Republican, you know, outlets and the Democrat outlets were reaching out to him. And he was just like, this isn't a political thing. Like this is about my sovereignty and this is my choice. And I love how he is. He's, he has had a lot of media coverage and a lot of it hasn't been very positive in a lot of ways about his personal life and about his person, whatever the choices he makes. And I agree. I feel like it's really set him up to be able to just be so open about his mistakes, right? Mm. Like his past, what he's doing now and not feeling ashamed about what he's doing that the most of the world would deem weird or unconventional. And so I want to talk to you about that because this is where I work with women primarily and, and like 
that is changing. The like men are coming to me more. Men are listening to the podcast more. And I'm very intrigued by men <laughs> in this way. And I think men honestly don't, I think, <laughs> you know, I think women think we've got it bad. And, you know, there's like all this rage and there's all this, you know, feminist movement stuff. And there's a lot, there's eons of, you know, oppression and persecution with women. But I really think men don't get enough credit in terms of how bad they've had it as well. And also, the what they've been born into and what they've been modeled and to not feel their feelings right for example to not feel these certain emotions to feel isolated to not be able to connect and to communicate and open your heart and to share authentically and vulnerably and i see that changing a lot which is why most of the people on that list are male figures in the spotlight right now so i think mm. i would love for you to kind of close with that of do you feel that the rise of men um, on this awakening journey, do you feel them men in general from what you've seen feeling more open to expressing, to opening up? Do you feel like there's still a long way to go? And what do you think that we can do in general, all of us, it doesn't matter what, what your gender like, what can we do for men to actually feel like they have a seat at the table in this journey of spiritual awakening and emotional alchemy and inner child work and expression from the heart? What do you think we can do to to support that that softening a bit more? It's a beautiful question, and I really appreciate where it's coming from. I, I feel like there are two key things. One would be acknowledging and accepting the more intense parts of what it means to be a man. Because from an archetypal perspective, we have the lover, like that's an aspect of our consciousness that's more delicate and interconnected and vulnerable and lots of feelings there. But we also have a warrior. Like you can see the most popular, fast growing sport in the world is the UFC probably. Why are so many men into the UFC? Why do men love that? Well, there's way more men that like it than women like it, um, but women also can like it. But I love violence. Like I love fighting. I love, uh, like it's just part of me. Like I, there's a part of me that wants to defend and protect. There's a part of me that loves the intensity of like violence. And it's like, not violence for no point. Like it would be so difficult for me to hurt someone for no reason because it just feels like so wrong in my body and I wouldn't be able to do it. But there's a part in a healthy context. I love it. Like I really enjoy it. And I feel like it's a huge part of what it means to be a man. And I know that that can be really scary. Uh, but I think part of what makes I think the shame culture is what's scary for men because we have that warrior aspect, but we also have the delicate aspect. So if our warrior is being shamed, it kind of castrates us in a way where we've like, if someone was just, if, if I was at a networking event and I was talking to a woman and she just said, Oh my gosh, you, you like violent, like, Oh my gosh, guys. And started getting the attention. Everyone went, this guy said he likes this. 
that would terrify me. And I'd just go into like my shell and feel so shamed for my like authentic expression and what feels actually real for me. And I've been shamed before for my intensity. I grew up playing sport. I love the intensity of sport and competition. And those parts are so ingrained in, in like what feels natural for me. And it makes me feel present and alive. And, and that's just true for me. And so I feel like just the, the, the shaming aspects of that. It's like if we went back to the tribal days, I watched a debate between Neil deGrasse Tyson and Jason Silver uh, once, and Jason Silver was arguing for love and light and nature, and Neil deGrasse Tyson was arguing for science and modern-day technology and the modern society. And Jason Silver was like, but it was so much more peaceful and we're living in symbiosis in nature. And Neil deGrasse Tyson whipped out a stat that 30% of people used to die through conflict in the tribal days. That means you had a one in three chance of being murdered. And that was like the natural functioning. Like if you look at every initiation ritual for men, it's always some crazy, what to me feels scary, physical pain that needs to be endured to become a man. It's like in our consciousness. It's like part of who we are. And there are healthy expressions of it and there are non-healthy expressions of it. But acknowledging it and not shaming. like And and I've, this is this might sound really bad. But, and I might get shamed for this, but like I've made love to like lots of different beings, women. And, you know, I have like a natural primitive masculine. And every woman that I've been with has felt safe and really like thrived on that. And like I really enjoy the beautiful softness and the surrender. But I feel like in this society, it's so shamed. It's so shamed. And that part I, is the thing that makes me feel unsafe to share and feel because then the idea of like because i'm very emotive like i'm very sensitive and i've always been like a bit of a mama's boy because i grew up more around my mom than i did my dad but i was influenced by both so like i cry and i'm sensitive and i can like go into my shell if i get rejected like not even i label it rejection but if my partner doesn't want to make love and i really do i can like full shut off and feel all insecure and shy and like you know i have that part but I also have the part that wants to get punched in the face and punch someone else in the face. And I feel like that's like a masculine trait and quality where I don't see many women have that same type of masculine desire. So I feel like just being accepting and honoring of that part and not being so scared by it and like, or naming, say, I feel really threatened and scared by that primitive masculine part. I feel really scared and being honest and vulnerable as a woman about it uh without saying it's bad and wrong that would be the first thing and then the second thing i would i would say for a woman to really take a lot of uh have a lot of love for her own femininity i feel like is the second thing that would really support this not a um a disregard for the fact that a woman can be whoever she wants to be but just learning to appreciate and love her feminine as well as her masculine, but primarily the feminine and a real deep appreciation for her feminine, seeing the beauty and the power and the like, the just seeing that in herself will create more appreciation because I've done really intense tantric rituals where like I've received sacred spot healing, which is like essentially being penetrated uh, by a tantric facilitator and feel like what it feels like to be entered by 
like in this case, a woman, and uh, and to feel just the surrender and the relaxation and the need to feel safe and protected and held in that. And that was beautiful. That was a beautiful experience for me. It's my preference to be in the other role, but I really like acknowledge and appreciate that the beauty of what it feels like to, to need and desire to be held and need to feel protected and safe from another energy. And I feel like when a woman can really uh, honor and own that beautiful part of herself that needs protection, it empowers the man to feel more loving in his power. Like it's nothing that makes me feel more special and needed and seen and relevant and appreciated than a woman saying, hey, I really need something from you. Yeah. And it's like, I feel unsafe right now. Can you help me? Like if I was in the street and some girl was feeling unsafe and was like, hey, can you help me? My heart would just open massively and I'd be like, yeah, what the fuck's going on? I've got you. And it's just like, that's innate within me. It's an innate within every single man, that yeah. desire to protect. No need, don't need a reason. Like there's been multiple times in my life where I've gone out and I've seen something happening. I've just been like, what the fuck's going on here? And just like being there to protect a woman. I don't even know because it's programmed within me. So yeah, there are a couple of things that just instantly come to mind. I appreciate you speaking to both because they're interconnected. Like as you were talking about the first piece, it's like, okay, but this needs to, like, it's like, this is why we all need to be doing the work. Like we all get to be doing the individual and collective healing, right? Like for me as a woman, for example, like I still feel unsafe walking down the street in the dark, right? And so this is why we don't understand violence like like it's so funny you talked about ufc my husband was just watching the mcgregor documentary and he was watching it without me and then all of a sudden like the last couple episodes i was like let me see what this is all about and we had this exact conversation a few days ago and i never have watched the ufc because i can't handle i'm like <laughs> and in the last i don't want to get well if you saw the fight um I've seen yep. most of the fights. I'm a massive UFC. <laughs> I'm like, if you're listening to this, you can turn tune your ears out for a second. But he ends up like breaking his foot, like that last fight where he ends up like, and I kept telling my husband, like, okay, tell me when it's over. And and it's so funny because he's like, Well, you just watch it. Like, why do you have to ask me the play-by-play? And <laughs> and I'm like, why are men? And so we got into this deep conversation of exactly this. I'm like, what is this obsession? Tell me what you're feeling. And he's like, literally, I can feel my adrenaline. He's like, I'm getting so fucking fired up right now. And I, and like, I'm literally feeling contraction in my belly. I'm like grossed out. I'm trying. And so it's exactly that thing of what you just articulated was how I believe my part in my partnership, my mm-hmm. husband and I are redefining the roles of masculine and feminine and there's a curiosity. And so even if we're like, and he's getting annoyed with me, like we can talk about it after. And he's trying to understand what I'm feeling and I'm trying to understand what he's feeling. And the last piece is you're exactly right. I feel like because, you know, women, we didn't have a lot of rights for so long. And then we entered the workplace and we were put into this male, you know, like mold that just isn't working for us. And I think we're finally starting to realize like anatomically, it doesn't work 
for us how we're actually designed to live. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the 24-hour workday, doing the same tasks every day, like our hormones cycle very differently than our male counterparts. It's very different. And so yeah. we're in this time right now of doing a lot of deep healing ancestrally in terms of, at least for me as a woman, like persecution by man, quote unquote. Yeah. And that could be an institution. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? It's, it's, it's in general. And that's allowing me to be more in my femininity, which is allowing me to feel more powerful, which is actually allowing me to accept, for example, my husband and his obsession with watching UFC and feeling that adrenaline and me not being afraid of it and me Mm. allowing him to exude this part of him that is very clearly and evidently a part of him. And he would never hurt me. He's so sensitive, right? But there's, right. He's so just gentle and loving. And yet there is a very like that athletic side and just like one in, in loving watching things about the military and watching like action movies. And Yeah. yeah, it was, I'm really glad that I asked that question and you articulated it because the acceptance piece doesn't actually come until you do exactly what Ryan and I are doing, which is massive deep inner exploration. Like it really has to come from deep inside. You know, it has to come from meeting those places that we don't want to meet. And then through relationship, we practice through relationship. We learn like, oh, okay, this is why I was so triggered by this before, but now I'm in a different resonance. Now I have a deeper understanding and now I can be accepting of where this person is or what they're feeling or what they like or how they express in the world. And I believe that if we can all just even like 1% set that intention of just like, what would it look like to try that very thing? Like those two things that you talked about, what would it look like? Like what type of world would we be living in if we could all just be more harmonious in our fullest expression? And I believe that's kind of what you beautifully and eloquently articulated. I think it exists in certain places as well. Like I I moved to Austin temporarily in Texas. you're in Austin um, right now? No, nah, no. Nah, I, I oh. moved there. I was there for three months. <laughs> and I was very much in the community of like the men's communities. Uh, like uh, there was a beautiful one, the Empowered Brotherhood that was run by Stefanos Sifendos, uh, Garen Jones and Preston Smiles. Um, and they're friends with uh, Aubrey Marcus as well. So it's all kind of the same yeah. uh, circle. And yeah, really... That like that's kind of being played out. There's a beautiful modern version of masculine and feminine that doesn't, and men and women that doesn't necessarily demonize uh, same-sex relationships. Doesn't demonize men having femininity and women having masculinity, but also gives rise and acceptance of the natural inclination for men to have more masculine and feminine, yes. uh, women to have more feminine, which I think is a really beautiful balance and yeah. like got a lot of compassion for people that don't fit into that at the moment. I think that's beautiful and, and okay as well. But even one thing I was going to add is that uh, I think unless a man's been willing to do his inner work on the feminine, 
it's almost impossible for him to fully understand and hold space for the feminine. Like for me, for example, I was such a, so connected to my masculine and my toxic masculine for ages. I was so suppress- suppressive of my own emotion that I had no reverence and appreciation for the feeling and emotion of the partners that I was with. I, I couldn't understand. I didn't know how to hold them properly because I didn't know how to hold myself. And any man that's not in touch with his emotions is not in touch with his emotions because of fear, either fear of what it means that's ingrained to him from things that his father said or society said, or he's just scared to feel out of control because that's what happens when you step into vulnerability, you lose your control. But I can tell you for a fact, there's no way that a man can fully hold a woman without going on a journey of emotional healing. And so stepping in and starting with like breath work or going to like a a men's healing retreat or something like that to open that up, it will will change everything in the way that that man relates to the feminine and and women. And then the the last thing that I'd say is something that I feel edgy to share, but I feel like the the third point to your first question or your last question was to change the way that we talk about the sexual needs of men i feel like well (laughs) well there's there's a societal joke about men having a higher sex drive than women which isn't true just fundamentally in in our organic nature um and i find it incredibly uh miss if 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 i'm ever in a space where like there's men and women hanging around and there's a woman that I can tell is usually disconnected from her feminine that will make a comment like, oh my gosh, like Gary the other day <laughs> thought he could try to make like have sex again. Like totally didn't feel it. He's so pathetic. That's an ex- exaggerated version, but even tiny subtle comments like, no, I'm not going to do that unless you do this. This, this idea that men desire sex more than women and that women hold the power. Um, because what's, because what it do, what I found that it's done for me over, yeah, I don't experience it now because I'm in a beautiful relationship with a lot of symbiosis in that area and respect. But in the past, it almost has created the energy where I fulfill the fulfill the role of how I'm being portrayed. It's like the way that I'm being portrayed is is f- self fulfilling. Like if I'm told, you know, needy and you know, you just want this and this uh, instead of being able to be vulnerable and say, hey, like, I actually really want to connect because that's from all the male friends that I've ever had, all men have an aspect of themselves, whether they desire to feel deep intimacy. And for them, for men, it happens through like sexuality first. And that creates a feeling of connectedness. And what I've noticed and what I've learned through Tantra and noticed with my experiences that is that women, women desire to feel loved and connected first, and then they desire intimacy. They're both forms of intimacy. There's just a slightly different entrance point into that experience where men, you could touch them straight on their genitals and they'd be like, sweet, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I feel safe now. Whereas for a woman, if you were to touch it straight on the genitals, they, it's not, not going to respond the same way. So there needs to be a symbiosis and an understanding of how the true masculine and feminine male and female energies interrelate when it comes to sexual intimacy and a removing of the demonization of sexual desire because it then similar to the ufc being a 
uh, whatever you suppress will be expressed unhealthily as a theme with like violence in pubs or like physical abuse in relationships. If it can be healthily expressed proactively, then it's not suppressed to be expressed unhealthily. Whereas same thing with sexuality, like the, one of the biggest industries in the entire world is porn, pornography. Like pretty much every man, like when I was in high school, every single male, everyone, there wasn't a single person that I met that didn't watch porn. And most, like nine, I'm going to say 19 out of 20 men now in modern society will watch porn consistently. That's ridiculous. That's super unhealthy. Like that is so, but the reason that's happened is because instead of having a healthy expression, we're told and demonized for our sexual desires. And therefore, we're like, feel ashamed about it and go, well, it's still there. Where, where do I do it? I'm scared to ask for it because then I'm going to fulfill this thing you've said where I'm the one that wants it more. So I'm just going to, fine, I'm just going to turn around and suppress it and get my needs met elsewhere. Yeah. And it, it causes more disconnection instead of like, like one thing that I find really wholesome that I have in my current relationship is that there's a sensitivity or like a vulnerability of like, I, I have a desire, I have a need, and I'm so much more able to access the full expression of my sexuality, which a lot of it, like there's a chunk of it that's feminine. There's a chunk of it that's like rooted in fears and, and like a lot of healing that happens in sexuality for me around like shame that I hold or um, insecurities that I hold and they get alchemized and supported through being loved in that container whereas it'd be very very like very difficult for a man to learn to feel safe in his vulnerability if he doesn't feel accepted for his sexuality yeah just straight out oh my gosh you're gonna have to come back on the podcast because what this conversation is teaching me is how much of like it's like I will never understand what it's like to be in my husband's shoes and same thing with me and we've actually talked about this a lot with me being pregnant and him right feeling more pressure and responsibility and like my work dynamic right like he's feeling more pressure to provide you know and all of these things and what I'm hearing, what's amazing about what you shared is immediately I was like, oh, I know why women do this. And then, mm -hmm. right. Like I can respond to you and you can, and you would have a response of like, oh, I know how I would respond to that. And this is why these conversations are so powerful. The two things that mm -hmm. came to mind is for one, I, like, and this is why I love my science brain, because I actually, I called it sex school with my husband. I actually interviewed Olivia Bryant, the founder of Self Cervix, who's from Australia, a couple of months ago. And I went on this whole exploration of cervical awakening. And mm -hmm. then I finally brought my husband into it. And I actually learned that the cervix sits low in a woman's body until she's stimulated, until she feels safe, until she's in pleasure, until she's surrendered, and then is able to move up. And so there's pain that happens. There's discomfort that happens. Like when we are penetrated as women and we're actually not in a space of surrender and trust and physiologically when our body is not actually open to receive in that way, 
it automatically puts us in fight or flight, right? Like, and so it it was so in it's interesting that you're talking about this because I again had the I love that I get to learn through my partnership because I had to basically be like, oh, I know why I'm not feeling this all of a sudden. Like it's so quick for him. Like he can just be right, he's ready to go. And I'm t- it takes more time for me. Not much, sometimes, like it depends. But <laughs> totally. It's like, oh, I just need, like you said, I need a little bit more in order to allow my body to to know that, ooh, this is what's happening anatomically. And what I'm hearing from you is when women say that, that's a projection based on there just being a disconnect in communication of like what our needs are for as, and I'm just speaking, you know, as a man and a woman, for example, And even in my own partnership with my husband, I realized like we just didn't communicate as much or right. Like you get, you're like, oh, you're married, right? You think you know what the person wants or what the person likes, or I'm not the same person that I was when I married my husband seven years ago. He's not the same. Things have changed. I've learned more about myself. He's learned more about himself. And it took us actually having conversations. And I called it sexual as a joke because I'm like, can we just play and have fun and like have conversations and see what happens? And yeah. it was such a beautiful thing. And if I wouldn't have done that exploration, I wouldn't have known. It's the same with the adrenaline and the UFC fighting. We, we, we didn't know cause we <laughs> were different genders. Like it's like, he doesn't know what it's like for me to actually feel ready to have that intimate experience, just like, I don't know what it's like for him until we communicate. And now we have this understanding. And the second piece is I also believe it's related to burnout. Like, right. It's, it's related women. It's not that it's that so many women are fried. (laughs) Like I was one of them and the libido goes down or like, it's like the last thing we want, you know, it's like, we we're so not in our bodies that we can't even fathom having an intimate experience. And again, so what do we do? We project, it's not me, it's you, you're wrong. You're doing it this way. And so, and I'm sure again, you could even respond to, to this. And this is, this is the beautiful conversation of, it's there's no right or wrong. It's just like, we don't know unless we actually talk about it. And so much of these conversations are taboo in the world. And I do believe that we learn through relationship, whether it's monogamous or not, it doesn't matter. Like just everything that you've shared Mm -hmm. on a microcosm scale, I've had these conversations with my husband and we've practiced and we've played. And then other times we're like, ah, throw that out the window. It's fine. Like we're in integration and like, and then we go back and we're like, (laughs) okay. And I do believe that it's really supported me in the motherhood journey, in this pregnancy journey, in my femininity, in my softening, wanting to have a physiological birth, having this understanding of the female body and what does it mean to surrender? And what does it mean Mm -hmm. to actually allow my body to do the, do what nature designed. And so, yeah, it feels like, I just hope when people are listening to this, that when there is a projection or a trauma response or a trigger, right. It's like, 
this is why, because it's so complex. There's Hmm. so many layers and people are so afraid to actually just have the conversation or like you said, to ask for what you want or to say, Hmm. Hey, this isn't working for me or, Hey, I really like this. How do you feel about this? Like, can we talk about this? Can we try this? And, um, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And it's just <laughs> what there's just good intent both ways, like both two yeah. well-meaning people in yeah. a relationship and and there's a whole lot of shame and ignorance that's like what no bad intent. Yeah. And yeah, opening up and I think just having the initial knowing that the person across for me has positive intent. I have positive intent. The only thing that would cause something that leads to a projection is fear. And I can feel compassion for that. If I'm projecting, it's from fear. But I definitely think that in some cases, there needs to be some kind of intervention because it can be too triggering and too much gunk in between to create harmony without some kind of external support. Like you going and doing that exploration journey, open things up so much. For me, it was like tantra, like being on a, a really big tantric journey. I did so much healing through that and had so much understanding and compassion yeah. um, and also a lot of relationship coaching and sex coaching through relationships. So, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We're doing our best. <laughs> I call it aloning together. Like no one can do the work for you, but like we need support. Like we absolutely need support. Um, well, this has gone on so long, but you know, we trust the process here. Yeah. I'm getting ready to go to bed. You're what you're just starting your day. Um, <laughs> I do want to ask you, why do you go by Ryan Magic? If you can just tell the world briefly. It was like a, a chapter where I shifted gears from previous version of me that was more driven. And I wanted to freshen up and like associate to living life more for the purpose of fulfillment and magic than I did for the purpose of uh, drive and success. And my heritage, my father, my uncles, my grandfather, there's always been a lot of masculine drive. And so I felt called to shift the energy a bit. My last name is Mugjosh, and Mugjosh is like a Polish name, super long, and it's like spelt M-A-G-D-Z-I-A-R-Z. So it's like magic. So I got nicknamed magic and I was like, it's so clean. Mm. And then I had this guy in Australia who's like one of Australia's like leading business coaches, like massive, I don't know, like an eight figure plus company. And he's been in the space for years and we barely talk. Like we just would speak here and there. And I hadn't heard from him for like two or three. We weren't like close friends, we're just acquaintances. And out of nowhere, he sends me a photo of him in New York with some graffiti in the back background that says own your magic. And I was deliberating whether or not I was going to like change my name. <laughs> and oh, then this random dude, just imagine like, uh, I don't know, like Aubrey Marcus, you'd chat to him every now and again. And then someone just, you're thinking about changing your last name to flow and someone just, <laughs> so, it was just like a universal sign of like, change your name. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll trust the process <laughs> and change it to Ryan magic. But Legally and officially, I, I love my heritage and I, I keep my given ne- my given last name, my family name. Well, so Mateus De Stefano, we were he was talking about like co-creation and manifestation, and he talked about where magician came from, and he talked about the origin of the word magician is like majush, 
So it's very similar to your last name. So I think that's also kind of cool that. Wow. Yeah. I actually have the spelling. I'll send it to you off the yeah, record. Please. Um, but yeah, like I love him also because he does go back to the origin of words. And it again, it really helps, yeah. uh, you know, help us, helps us understand. Um, yeah. Just it like, again, grounds the information a bit more. So who knows, like maybe your actual given last name is like an origin of that word, which would be really, really cool. <laughs> that, that it does sound very similar. I'm looking forward to seeing the spelling. So thanks. Yeah. For, and for I can't remember. Yeah. Like I have a couple of sentences on the origin and everything. So I'll see if I can find it. And then the last piece before we can let people know how to get in touch with you. We talked about this before we hit record, but um. And this kind of circles back to the way that you operate and run your life and business is the way that you had reached out to me. So let people know. Um, yeah, if you could just share your perspective of how we connected, because we talked about this off the record that I think so much of humanity feels isolated right now. And just the sheer act of like feeling an impulse, like feeling feeling a connection and then taking action on it from a place of integrity and how co-creation and collaboration can happen, I think is, is really needed right now. So I would love for you to just give a little yeah. snippet of that. Yeah. So essentially I, I don't even, I think I was randomly asked to come on a breath work. Uh, retreat, like a virtual retreat. Uh, yeah. Be a speaker at a summit. But it was from a, a random lady in the in the US and I that I'd had no previous connection with. And then were you speaking at that? I don't think you were. You were? Yeah. Oh, that's her. Okay. Well then I saw your name in the thing and I just felt a pull to I thought maybe I'd research someone and then come across your profile, but it was through that. That makes complete sense. So then I just looked you up because you're another speaker on the thing and you kind of like there was something about either your presentation tagline or your name or your photo or something that just pulled me to want to like check you out on Instagram. So I looked you up and then just loved your your content and loved what I felt from like a embodiment standpoint, an integration standpoint of your wisdom across across different layers of life. Because I've I find that sometimes people preach their coaching lens through one main layer uh, and it lacks that context so yeah i just felt called to like reach out and invite myself on here which is something that i, I don't do very often and uh one thing i'll say is that it's easy just to depersonalize or dehumanize instagram and people on social media and not see the humanity behind the profile but you know over the last like five years i've reached out to maybe four different women every now and again that i've just like really felt a strong pull towards them as like a woman in, in a romantic sense and out of the four three of them i ended up dating mm -hmm. i've done four reach outs and dated three of the people i've reached out to Meaning that like there's been something that I felt and then I've sent them a video message or, or a series of voice messages or video messages, just being honest about what I felt and asking if they wanted to go on a date, like a virtual date. So it's, it's, 
if if there's a sense of authenticity behind the desire to connect with someone, whether it's on a professional standpoint, even like I've reached out to some people and just said, I really feel like I was meant to coach you <laughs> and like intuitively and and then ended up having them work with me. It's not like my main strategy yet, but it's just something that out of just randomly has caused beautiful connections. Yeah. And I think I think that the point you're getting to is that it's possible to uh, create a connection in ways that are less formal than what we're taught. And there's magic and synchronicity in that trusting of what we feel and having the courage. Like my whole thing is about courage. We haven't even spoken about it today at all. My whole brand's about courage. My whole modality. We can talk about the core method. You'll be back on the podcast, I promise. <laughs> I can't <laughs> we wait. We needed to talk about uh, masculine and feminine dynamics, I feel like. I love the conversation. Yeah. 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 It's just funny that we didn't even touch on really my what area. happens like... I'm not going to lie when I usually when we get off record, people are like that went a totally different direction, but I loved it. I'm like, I know yeah. <laughs> it's what yeah. come through, yeah. right? Yeah, I feel that. Um, Do you have yeah. any comments on what I said there or what you were hoping to get from what you are? Yeah, I love that you gave three different examples, like, because in the end, we're like, you're showcasing you, right? It's like through a collaboration, business collaboration, through you know, you coaching somebody else or through a romantic partnership, like it's the same, right? Like, so I, like, it's the same, it's you. And what I loved is you sent me video messages um, and you were honest, like, and this is exactly how I show up for people. Like when I'm shaken in my space boots a little bit and there's someone that I look up to that I want to be on the podcast and I know that they're just human and I know that they started out just like me, but I'm like nervous sighted a bit. And that's what I do is I ground in and I'm like, like Olivia Bryant, I was intimately connected with her work, you know, with self-cervix and I sent her a couple of voice notes and I was like, I want you on the show. And she was an immediate. Yes. It took, you know, like four months for us to get our calendars to align across the world and with her schedule. But yeah. You know, I love that. And she's another one. Olivia Bryant is is up there too. And I love that there's people who will never stop saying yes to those conversations. Like they're not above, like they don't ask the questions of how many downloads do you have or what, like they, like they don't, right like, it's just like, oh, I feel this. Yes. And I told you this. I, I was I was really in the middle. I I was very emotional. Just found out I was pregnant. Lots of things were shifting in my business. My podcast was shifting, and I was asking for the people to come into my life that get to be on the show. I was asking for clarity. I was asking for signs, and you modeled like exactly how I want to continue to reach out to people, which is. I'm not going to send like 50 messages, boilerplate to just people (laughs) all over the internet to be on the show. I'm really going to connect, which is so funny. There's a woman who does these hilarious Jim Carrey impersonations and dances. um, And she's, I don't know how she shows up on my feed, but I want to interview her. Like, I know nothing about her. I think she's an RN. She's got like 500,000 followers. And I just want to like talk to her about 
life. What's happened with this? Yeah. It's like, tell me like her authenticity. She's so fun. And in like, she's so magnetic in her energy. And I don't want to limit my conversations. Like, for example, the fact that I was like, show me who it is. And it's like people in integrity, like having more men on the show, interviewing people that wouldn't even necessarily be in the spiritual world, for example. Like, I don't Mm. even know if she considers herself to be a spiritual person, but she is absolutely doing spiritual work through her integrity, through her authenticity. And I did have, I remember calling my husband. I remember where I was when you sent me. This is how the impact that I want you to know that you had, like, because I was really in a place of dissolving and dismantling and removing things and feeling like that next layer of who am I in my business and what is this going to look like? And I had just actually let go of two of my coaching programs, my group coaching programs and feeling like disconnected from the podcast. And then you sent me those messages and I just was like, it matters. Like I matter where I'm at, Matt, like I am not struggling. I am not in a Mm. shitty time. I'm in a revelation time. Like people, Mm. people are here. People are paying attention. And, um, and I think I want to be that beacon of light for other people. Like you just, and that's why I was like, I don't even need to look at his stuff. Like the answer is yes, because I didn't even look Mm. at your profile. I was just like, I don't know who he is. I don't know what he does, but I could feel who you were in that like three minutes of you, of you sharing. And yeah. I wanted, I really wanted to thank you for that because I, I remember calling my husband and being like, oh, you won't believe what just happened. Like this guy reached out to me and he sent me these things. Right? And he was just chuckling at me. Like, yeah, you were having a meltdown like 24 hours ago. And now you're like feeling inspired again. And it can be that simple of an act. It doesn't mm-hmm. need to be a huge thing. Um, and so I, I really wanted to close with that because it did, it like solidified a lot of what I had let go of and what I was bringing forth again. And so I want to thank you for following the impulse to reach out. Yeah. You're so welcome, Lindsay. Such a blessing. And I'm I'm so glad that we did connect because this has been such a beautiful conversation and I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So how can people get in touch with you? Is there any fun offerings yeah. that you have or anything that you want to share with our community? Yeah, thank you for giving me the chance to share that. And I would say, listeners, like, thank you so much for engaging with us and giving us a chance to do what we love. And the thing that I that means the most to me, if I do a podcast interview or a keynote or something like this, is hearing people's actually getting to connect with people because Lindsay and I are connecting right now. And if you're listening to this, then you're just another piece of consciousness on the other side of the world somewhere. And if you reach out to me and share, if there's anything that genuinely got you thinking or something that that we shared that stood out for you, uh, that touched your life in some way, that really is the most precious fuel for me. They're like really reinvigorate, similar to what Lindsay just said around like the simple message. I would love to hear from you. I would love, I know we're all so busy and it can be difficult to find the time and, oh, it sounds nice, but I don't know about that. Uh, and then forget about it. But if you just could take the moment to send me an email 
and just anything that touched you, just let me know. That's just so meaningful to me and so appreciated. And my email is ryan at ryanmagic.com uh, or send me a message on Insta or something like that. At, at the Ryan Magic is my Insta handle. And that means a lot to me. It's so nice to receive those messages. And I do. I have people reach out off the back end of things like this. And if that's you, uh, that will mean so much to me. So, yeah. M- most of my offerings, or like honestly, I-, I do a lot of one-to-one coaching virtually, but I'm so doing the in-person workshops at the moment. And I do have people fly to come along, but it's a long way for people in the States. But if you really resonate, you can check out my website, ryanmagic.com, and I run a workshop that's like all my life's work into this one workshop. It's really intense three-day experience called The Art of Courage, and it's how to navigate fear. I believe it's the only thing that blocks people, and I would love to have you attend. Uh, but what would just be super special is a, is a reach out, a message. Beautiful. I love that. I Isn't it funny? Like I wanted to touch on that piece of the reach out. And then I was like, I can't, I like, it didn't feel right. And then at the end I closed with that. And then it like segued into what's meaningful to you. And, you know, actually the only other male that I've interviewed is my buddy, Pat. And every single Monday when the episodes launch, he listens to the episode and he sends me a message of what he loved, what he learned, what fired him up. I mean, week after week. And I just, he sent me a really fun one this week. And I just was like, you have no idea how meaningful this is. Like I have friends who listen to the show and will send me things, but you know, like having strangers or having a best friend just reflect back to you. I see you, I see your courage. Like I see your consistency, you know, with all of the things happening in your life, you managed to put out a weekly show for the last year, which was my intention. Like no matter what happens, I'm you know, having a weekly episode come out and it wasn't always easy. And I wanted to quit a lot. (laughs) Um, But I'm so glad that I continued on and and the podcast is, is growing and I'm just wait, I'm waiting. So this episode's going to launch once the revamp happens, because I can feel the energy of like, who gets to be part of the second season and the relaunch. And I really feel, um, the trajectory is going to be pretty wild because it, it does, it feels so aligned. So thank Amazing. you for reaching out. Thank you for this beautiful conversation. I'll put everything in the show notes below and please, please, please reach out to Ryan and myself to let us know what opened up for you. Yeah. And until next time, much love. Much love guys. Thanks Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you for your presence and tuning in today. I believe in the power of reciprocity, so if you found value from this episode, I invite you to share the love. There are endless ways to do so, including leaving a rating and written review on Apple, forwarding the episode link to a loved one, reaching out to me on social media to say hi at Lindsay Martin Ellis, or sending me a love note via email at lindsay at lindsaymartinellis.com. I so appreciate you and your support. It's truly what keeps me going. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Lindsay Martin Ellis Experience. Much love.